you be seated. Good morning, everybody. Look at you at in church on Labor Day weekend. <laughs> You're awesome. Good to see you. Hey, uh, let me just uh, point us ahead a little bit uh, to next weekend, even though we're here this weekend. Uh, next weekend, uh, we are going to, as you've already heard, uh, launch off fall kickoff Sunday, which is just a Sunday that we set aside. Labor Day weekend is normally kind of like the last weekend of the summer, and uh, people are getting their last bit of vacation or whatever uh, they're doing in, and uh, this Sunday is just a great time for us to all get back on track. So or the past few years, we've kind of put together uh, an opportunity for you to invite someone to church. Uh, so fall kickoff Sunday is about that. Um, and then we are going to also launch into a new series of messages uh, around the idea of love like you've never been hurt. So uh, all of us need relationships. Most of us have been hurt in relationships. And the truth is that the quality of your life is ultimately going to be shaped so much by the relationships that are in your world. So if you get too hurt and too jaded or too pushed back on relationships, you're going to, you're going to lose a lot of what God would have for your life. So we want to see some healing take place. We want to see God build great friendships, great families, great marriages, just great connections. And so next week we're starting on that. And, and a big part of that is we're going to launch into a, a season, six-week season of small groups. We call them rock groups around here. And just want to encourage you to be a part of a rock group. Uh, starting um, next week, we'll be kind of looking at all this stuff together just a good way to connect with people, to, to make some friends. Um, you know, it's what we have here on a Sunday morning when we have events in our church. Those are great things for sure. They're ins inspiring to us. But you got to surround yourself with life-giving people. You know, you got to surround yourself with people who are for you, who will encourage you, who will stand with you, and that you can stand with. So I just want to encourage you. Maybe you're the kind of person that says, oh, I don't know if I want to make any friends. Just try. Just try. And we got a bunch of different groups that are going on. Hey, I read the other day that September is the new January. Anybody ever... Anybody made any New Year's resolutions in January that you haven't kept till this point? Can I be honest? Has anybody kept a New Year's resolution since January? Anybody at all? Yeah, you have? So far. No sodas. Jeremiah. Awesome. Big deal. Uh, Noah, playing with you. Just a chance to kind of uh, push reset, and uh, we all need to push reset, don't we? So I want to encourage you to be here next week. I want to encourage you to invite someone uh, to church with you next week. The whole day will be built uh, uh, in reaching people, helping people. But I just think there's some great things that can happen for us in terms of us building healthy, solid, great relationships in our lives. So, all right, today 
is going to be my last message in a series that I've been working on for the past few weeks called The Royal Priesthood. Um, it's a really big idea to me, and I, am, uh, I have like tons more material, but um, I don't want to wear you out with it, but, but it, it really is one of those big rock ideas. You've heard that concept of, right, get the big rocks in uh, into your life and get your big rocks into your thinking. And, and so this idea of us being a royal priesthood is, is, a, is a big concept uh, for me and for our church. And I realize that when I'm teaching this idea, there has to be some aha moments uh, for us that, uh, that we get this idea. So I'm going to take a few moments this morning and just kind of build the building block one more time, do a little bit of review. Maybe you're new here, you haven't been in a while, or maybe just this time you'll go, oh, I get what you've been saying for the past five weeks. So the royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Everybody say royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the big idea is when we embrace Christ, uh, there are several things the Bible says about us that that define our identity. We, it, we, we, you know, we sang a song just a little earlier about I am who you say I am. And so this idea of you are a royal priest, you, you are like a priest in that you have a relationship with God, you have full access to God because of what Jesus has done for us, and you're like a king as well. You have this, this dual concept of king-priest. You have this dual concept of, of relationship with God, but also a king who has authority over a particular space in life, a responsibility even over a particular place in life. And what I love about this passage is it's telling us that you're a royal priest so that you could proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. So you and I have this incredible privilege to literally shape our world with our words, to shape the world with our words. Words are powerful. Words are creative. Words are not just used for communication. Words are literally used for creating. That's how God created in the beginning. And we have this ability to, given by God, we have this privilege given by God and this, if you will, a tool for life to, to proclaim the excellencies of him. So you may be facing facts that are against you, but you could proclaim the truth that he is greater than your facts. So today we're praying for healing, and the truth is you might be facing some kind of uh, sickness or issue, but those are the facts. But there is a truth that our God is a healing God. Our God is a God who's provided healing for us. And you can literally proclaim the truth, proclaim the excellencies. That's why I think it's important to understand that 
that worship is more than just the few moments before we have a message, you know, on Sunday morning, that when we get together and worship, we are literally releasing a spiritual authority into the air. We are changing the atmosphere in the air. And then if, if you can learn to take that home and take that to the house and take that to work and take that into your world, that you can be a proclaimer. Your, your words can come out of your mouth that proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. So we all, we have this dual role, if you will, of a priest and a king. A priest who is through worship and prayer, priestly activities of worship and prayer, we're releasing king authority in our life. And so there are areas that I know God has called me to be, if you will, a king in, in which I know are not just, it's not just for me to sit on a throne and you know, it, it's literally things that God has given me responsibility for. It's, it's areas of life that he said he's called me to be the king of, and you have those areas in your life as well. And I am going to win the battle for the realms God has given me if I recognize that the real battle is a spiritual battle and not just a natural battle. So I'm not going to solve my financial problems just by calculating numbers. I'm going to proclaim that God's my provider, right? Uh, I'm going to proclaim that he's, he's the Lord over my household. So you might be, you know, going through a situation with your kids, and you might be going through a situation in your household, and God wants to release something great into your world. You are put there as a royal priest to proclaim the excellencies of him, Uh, uh, there was a pastor named Larry Lee that, that it, it still is around, and he had a huge impact on Suzette and I um, in the, some of the formative years for us. And he, he, this is one of my favorite quotes of his. He says, the prayer closet is my springboard into the power of the Holy Spirit. The lifestyle of prayer really births you into all that life is supposed to be in the Spirit of God. Apart from prayer, you're always reaching for something you don't have in the Spirit of God. Isn't that powerful? Our, our, our priestly activity of prayer and worship is literally when you go into your prayer closet, whatever that is for you, you know, you're taking a walk uh, around the lake or you're walking around your house or however you like to have your prayer times and you are worshiping God and you are praying, you are releasing the authority of heaven into your world. So the, 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 the biblical picture that we get for how this concept is built of a royal priest, we find this in a man, a guy named Melchizedek. And um, Hebrews 6 verse 20 says, Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, in other words, in, into the spiritual realm, making a way for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem, who was priest of the Most High God, 
He met Abraham as he is returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. In other words, Abraham had just won a battle and Melchizedek comes out to, to meet him and speaks a blessing over him. Abraham also portioned a tenth part of all the spoils from winning that battle. And this Melchizedek was first of all, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So this guy, this figure, Melchizedek, was a king and a priest. He had authority over Salem, over a certain portion of land, but he was also priest of God Most High. And the Hebrew word that's translated God Most High here is the, the phrase El Elyon, God who is the possessor of heaven and earth. And I think an aha moment for all of us would, would, that would be powerful is to recognize that God is the possessor of heaven. I think we go there, but he is actually the possessor of earth. And and so our relationship with God is not just a, we're kind of off in the corner, sequestered off into some kind of monk-like existence, and that's what our relationship with God is about. No, God owns the earth. God owns everything on the earth. And, every, and the peace of the earth, if you will, the peace of the planet that belongs to you, God wants to release it to you. And if you could learn how powerful it is to that prayer and worship and fighting in the spiritual realm is how you really win that battle. So I love these passages, uh, these verses. I've been reading them for the last few weeks, but Psalm 89 verse 11 says, the heavens are yours, but the earth also is yours. The world and all the world contains you founded them. Psalm 24.1 gives us kind of the same idea. The earth is the Lord's, all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. So just don't get the idea that you as a Christian or we as a church are kind of tucked away in a back corner. No, our God owns it all. <laughs> he owns the earth. He owns everything that's in the earth. He owns, he owns all that it actually contains. Heaven is the Lord's, but the earth is the Lord's. So I just want to, to help us get a hold of this idea that don't get pulled down to the level of trying to win in life, win in the things that God wants you to win in, by just trying to work it out in the natural. Because there literally are spiritual battles that are going on. And if we would understand that through our proclamation in worship and our proclamation in prayer, we are releasing something powerful and that we are releasing authority into our lives, God's authority. But I also want to encourage you, don't just be a, don't just be a, a priest who's just ministering to the Lord. That's a good thing. You know, that's something that we all can do and we all want to be doing. But you got to have both king and priest. Everybody got it? Cool. So I've been taking a few weeks and talking about it. And um, kind of what's, you know, what, what births out of this identity as a royal priest is the first week we talked about releasing godly authority through priestly activity. Then we talked about ruling in the midst of our enemies. How many of you know you've got enemies against you? And then 
that God has chosen our inheritance for us. And then we talked last week about sowing champion seed to create a champion life. And where I want to go today is I want to talk about this idea that Melchizedek is literally a priesthood that represents a priesthood of a new covenant. That God has has done away with the old covenant, which you would find in the Old Testament, and he's given us a new covenant, a new deal, a new arrangement with him. So Hebrews 7.12 says, when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of law also, or a change of covenant also. I think it's always important to remember that God relates, relates to us in terms of covenant, you know, he extends to us an agreement and he says, I'm gonna, I'm, I am a God who sticks with you. You don't have to worry about me taking off. People might take off on you sometimes, but God will never take off on you. He's a covenant God. And, and if we could get this idea that there are, there are lessons we learn in the Old Testament where, the, where, where Jesus is actually hidden and we can be revealed, but the truth is the way people related to God in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, is done, and now God has brought us into a, a new covenant, a new relationship, a new arrangement of the way He wants to relate to us. And that's kind of the title of my message today is Embracing God's Arrangement for Our Life. So Hebrews 8, 6 says, Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant. Say a better covenant, which has been acted on better promises. So the big idea that is, can make you go, is to realize the old covenant relationship arrangement with God was built on commandments. And the way you obeyed those commandments determined whether you were right with God. The new covenant is built on promises. And when we believe in and adhere to and embrace those promises, we are entering into God's fresh new arrangement with us. So Hebrews, Hebrews 8, uh, let's, just, let's just kind of drill down on this for a minute. But Hebrews 8, 8 says, for finding fault with them in the old covenant, he says, behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of, of Judah. And one guy who does great translation of the Bible, this concept of I will effect is, he says it literally means the arrangement I will arrange with them, the new arrangement. So the arrangement of the old covenant is do this and live. Don't do this or you'll die. So it's always based on what you do or what you're not supposed to do. The arrangement of the new covenant is it's all been done. So the arrangement that God has for you and I is in the new covenant is 
we put our faith in what Jesus has done for us. His death on the cross, it, taking our sin upon him, the old covenant was built on do, don't, do, don't. The new covenant is built on done. So the new covenant is built on better promises. It's a covenant, it's an arrangement that's literally built on promises. The new covenant, the new arrangement is God makes a promise, I believe it. God makes a promise, I receive it. God makes a promise, I embrace it. It sounds easy, but it's not. <laughs> because there's a, there's a piece of us that has to fight to hold on to the promise of God when everything outside of us looks like it ain't so. So we're in this relationship with this incredible God who's made this arrangement with us that he's given us promise. He says, so verse 9 says, it's, the new covenant is not going to be like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. They couldn't continue in that do and don't kind of thing, and I did not care for them, which we could take two ways. One is God says, that's it, I'm done, I'm not taking care of you, or we could say, he could say, I, I'm not caring about the way you're going about this. But the big idea is this, and this is where I want you to, to really get this. They couldn't stick with it because they couldn't obey completely. They couldn't stick with it because even though they knew what was the right thing to do, they couldn't do it. You're never going to be able to continue with God if you're building your relationship with God on how well you perform. You're never going to be able to walk into everything that God has for you, the amazing promises that he has for you, if you're building on, a, on how well you perform. Come on, let's be honest. Your performance at best is erratic. Your performance at best is inconsistent. So I'm out in my car the other day and I'm driving around and normally I like to eat pretty healthy. I like to be aware of what I'm eating and uh, what I'm putting in my body and no soda and uh, just moving into that. But this thought pops into my head, you should go to Krispy Kreme. Where's my Krispy Kreme lovers? In the, in, well, come on. Come on, let me see. Where's, where's my Dunkin' Donut lovers? Yeah. I'm hoping you guys will get saved and come on over to the, the Krispy Kreme realm where the glory, where the glory is. It's in the... Hot donuts now. Come on. That's just an invitation to 
sin. I mean, it's, it's just so, but I, I don't know how this idea got popped into my head, but uh, all of a sudden in my head was, I should stop at Krispy Kreme and get three, don't ask me why, three chocolate iced glazed donuts. Come on. Now, that's my favorite crispy. That's like, that's like the Oreo of donuts. I mean, that's just like, that's the incredible, uh, you know, I just. So, there's one part of me that is going, you know what you should do to cast that thought out. But there was another part of me that won, and I <laughs> drove through the drive through of Krispy Kreme and got three donuts, chocolate ice donuts, and a thing of milk, and ate them and loved every minute of it. I know better. Well, what I wasn't enjoying is stepping on the scale the next day. And that's, so what I'm saying is even though you know the right to do, there's often a battle going on within you that really, you know to pray, you know, don't kick the dog, you can kick the cat, but don't, I'm playing, kind of. And, and what I think is, is enormous to understand is that we gotta, we got to relate to God on the basis of his arrangement, not the one we've made up, not the one that we have maybe learned from the past, not the one that it seems so easy to fall into, do this, don't do that. But the new covenant arrangement with God is there are promises that God gives us. There are things that God does for us. There, there, is, there are things he has, done, he has done already for us. And that we are remembering God is the initiator. And we are the responder. So my part isn't perform. My part is believe. My part is receive. My part is accept. My part is embrace. That's the arrangement. So I want to take a few moments today and talk about embracing God's arrangement for our life because I think it's what gives such great undergirding to this whole idea of can, can I be a royal priest? Can I, can I have this great relationship with God? Can I fulfill the purpose of God for my life and exercise my king authority in the things that he's called me to? So I want to talk about for a few moments what this new covenant is that God gives us. And I'll go through it one by one. But one is, is he gives us a new pardon for sin. Two is he gives us a new perception for our identity. Three, he gives us a new purity of our heart. And four, he gives us a new personal knowledge or personal relationship with God. 
So let's, let's walk through this for just a moment. Number one idea of what the new covenant is about, it's, it's a new pardon of sin. So Hebrews 8.12 says, I will be merciful to their iniquities. Iniquities are the things that always catch you up, right? It's the fact that you love Krispy Kreme, and it's hard to pass up hot donuts now, whatever that is for your life. And that's what iniquities are. God says, in this new covenant, I'm going to be merciful to your iniquities, and I'm going to remember your sins no more. Wow. He's not saying sin isn't sin. He's saying, I'm not going to keep holding that against you, hanging that over your head. I'm going to be, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Grace is when you get more than you deserve. And our God is a God of mercy. Anybody glad for that? Because the last thing you ever want to move to is, I don't deserve this. No, what you deserve is to go to hell, just like I do. Mercy says, I'm going to be merciful. Think about this. God says to you, I'm going to be merciful to those places where you really have struggles. He says, I'm going I'm to remember no more. And, and in, the, in the Greek language, it's, it's like a double emphatic. I absolutely, positively am going to remember your sins no more. Wow. So the new covenant is built on this idea, mercy and grace. My right standing with God is not something that I earn. My right standing with God is a gift called righteousness. So when I come to take my stand as a royal priest, I'm not pointing back and going, well, God, I I did this pretty well and I did that pretty well, or I didn't do this and I'm so sorry. No, when I come to stand before God as a royal priest, I'm coming to stand on the right standing that he's given me as a gift. The, the, the second um, idea behind the new covenant is a, a new perception of our identity, like who we really are. So Hebrews 8.10 says, this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws into their minds. I'll write them on their hearts. And here's the identity that we all can carry. I'm going to be their God. They're going to be my people. That's, that's a strong sense of identity. I have a God who has created everything, who can turn history on a dime, who can work out details behind the scenes. We just sang a song about it a little bit earlier, didn't we? I have a God, a Father, who is so for me 
that my identity is not, I'm trying to make it in this world, but my identity is my Father has created a place for me in this world. I'll be their God. It, it could be translated literally, I'll be to them to serve as a God. Now, I don't, I don't want us to make a mistake. God's not our servant. But he serves us as our God like parents serve as a parent to their children. Come on. Right? You're the parent, but you still got to brush their teeth for them. You're the parent, you still got to make sure they have something to eat. You're the parent, you got to wipe their mouth off. Parents serve their children. And this God gives you and I this identity, I will serve as your God. No, nothing else is greater than our God. There's something about who you're related to that can lift your identity. So for years, some of you guys may remember this guy or not, but there was a great country western singer named Mickey Gilly. Anybody know about Mickey Gilly? So Mickey Gilly was, you know, 10, 20, whatever years ago, just, you know, well-known, had all these country western hits, uh, you know, just well-known throughout. Well, actually, uh, Mickey Gilly is Suzette's uncle. Uh, Mickey Gilly is, uh, is brother to Suzette's mom. And so if you know who Mickey Gilly is, you go, dang, that's pretty awesome. Just because of who she's related to. Here's who I'm related to. God. <laughs> I got nobody famous to be related to but God. But here's, here's what I know. Here's my identity. God is my dad. God has promised he's going to make everything work out for me. All things are going to work together for my good. He, he's, he's promised that even if I might stumble, I will never be utterly cast down because he reaches out to uphold me with his right hand. Come on. What I want you to get a hold of is this idea. This is your identity because God is my God. I'm, I cannot utterly fail. I might, be, I might be hitting a wall right now. I might be hitting a ceiling right now. But there's always hope when you know God is your God. And the other side of this is that we are his people. And the truth is, I, this, this is a, a reality for me. I wake up every day of my life thinking about the fact that I have purpose for my life because God needs a people. God wants a people. God uses a people. And I am involved in the greatest thing that's happening on planet earth. He wants to get his will done in the earth through people. So not only do I have this God who's looking out for me, but I have this God, I have this sense of identity as I am living on purpose. I am a needed part of a winning team.
The third idea behind this concept of new covenant is a new purity of heart. A new purity of heart. So Hebrews 8.10 says, This is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'm going to put my laws into their minds, and I'm going to write those laws on their hearts. So here's what the new covenant starts to do for us. God says, I'm going to write my law on your heart. Now let's look at what the New Testament says about this. 2 Corinthians 3.2, you are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written, not with ink, but written, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Here's what this verse is telling us. The Holy Spirit writes the law of God on our hearts by giving us revelation. The minute you go, oh, you have an aha moment. That law is being written on your heart. So it's like every time you ask Jason Martin to give a testimony, he's going to talk about the power of paying tithe, not because anybody's asked him to do that, because that law is written on his heart. So once you, once, once the law of God, here's what I know, once, once the law of prayer is written on your heart, something changes about your prayer life. It's no longer just a duty that you kind of check off, but you understand that there's something powerful and amazing that happens in the place of prayer. Once you get the idea, once worship gets written on your heart, nobody has to say to you, come on, let's worship God. You want to. <laughs> you have this new want to, right? Once serving gets written on your heart, once love gets written on your heart, once forgiveness gets written on your heart, you know, I'm only hurting myself if I hold on to resentment. I'm just saying that before I knew Christ, my want to was get wasted. And I was proud of it. Now, my want to is I want to serve God. I want to. I want to pray. I want to worship. They're up here talking about these kids that need somebody to help them eat. I'm going, I got the giving thing is in my heart. I, like I'm in the back here sending a text, giving to make sure some kids eat. Not because somebody had to twist my arm. You ought to be a giver. You ought to. Be. No, no, no. It got, giving is written on my heart. Can you hear what I'm saying? When, when you, I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect, but I'm saying this. When your want to gets changed, something powerful is happening. And if your want to starts changing, great things are happening in your life. And then the last idea that I want to talk about in terms of what the new covenant foundation for us all is, is a new personal knowledge of God or I even want to go a little further than that and say a new personal relationship. 
with God. So this is great. Hebrews 8 verse 11 says, and this is part of this new covenant. They'll not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother saying, know the Lord for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. So it's really saying, it's, it's saying to assist the first no, know the Lord, is an objective kind of uh, outside of to know things about God. The second no is a word oida, which is literally to personally know God. So there is this incredible difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. We're not just trying to gain knowledge about God. Where we're moving into is, I've got this relationship. Like I really know him, and he really knows me. 1 John 2.27 says, as, as for you, the anointing, the Holy Spirit, which you receive from him abides in you. You have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and it's true, it's not a lie, just as taught you, you abide in him. Now, don't misunderstand. This is not saying there's no place for teaching, because there is a place for teaching. But the anointing or the person of the Holy Spirit is the one who really teaches you. So here's what I know. I stand up here week after week and teach. And you hear hear one thing that I said. And you hear another thing that I said. And you hear another thing that I said. You hear something I didn't even say. And I know that's how it works. So the truth is, I could teach a message like I'm teaching today, and the Holy Spirit is something making something happen in your heart that's going, oh, yeah. But you talk to somebody else, and they're getting something entirely different. When you get that, oh, yeah, that aha, that, oh, I see now, it moves you into this personal relationship with God. Don't ever settle for just knowing about God. The new covenant is you get to be personal friends with God. How amazing is that? I want to pray with you today. Would you do me a favor and just bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I'm praying today as we come to the end of talking about being royal priest, about the power and authority of our worship and our prayer and our priestly activity and how it releases us into everything you have for us. I'm praying, God, for every person in this room that a a new sense of uh, authority in life is being released to them. And a new sense of love and wonder and worship is being released as well. As we're here for these last few moments together today, 
Maybe you have never in your heart actually surrendered to Jesus. And maybe some of your conceptions about him were I have got to get better before I can come to him or I got to get my act together. But the truth is, it's really just surrendering to the love of God for your life. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you're here today and you could point back to a day where you used to be close to God, closer than you are today, and you know it, and you know it's time for you to come back home to a God who is for you, to a God who loves you. And I want to pray with you. Or maybe you're just here and you say, I don't, I don't know where I stand, but I would love to feel confident about where my life is in relationship to God. Nobody's looking around, but you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? And this is, this is the beginning of a journey, but every journey starts with the beginning. Maybe you are saying, I want to surrender to Jesus for the first time, or I want to come back to him, or I just want to feel sure, would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high and say, that's me, would you pray for me? Nobody's looking around, but God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Anybody else right here, God bless you, God bless you. Coming you to say, Pastor, just pray with me. And I think more important than me praying with you is for God to see you lift your hand and just to say, oh yeah, they're opening their life to me. They're opening their heart to me. Is there anybody else that says, yeah, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, let's pray this prayer together. This is for everyone who lifted their hand. But I'd like for us all just to join in and say it together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I've messed up. But I'm coming to the cross where you paid the price for all of my sin. I embrace forgiveness. I embrace a new beginning. I embrace a fresh start. I embrace you as Lord of my life. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Thank you.